This is Truth and Focus, your radio program for worldview talk and issues that matter, with Josh Cumston and Gordon Teeson, broadcasting from the studio at Nebraska Christian Schools. Welcome to Truth and Focus. I'm Gordon Teeson, along with my co-host, Josh Cumston. In the studio today at Nebraska Christian Schools, I have Mike Essen. He's the youth pastor at Highland Park Church in Columbus. He spoke this morning to our students in chapel. Welcome to the program today, Mike. Thanks so much, Gordon. Good to be here. Mike, to begin the program, I wanted you to share with our listeners a mission trip Highland Park took just recently. It was this summer, and I think our listeners would be interested to hear where you went and what you did as a part of that mission trip. Yeah, late July, we had the wonderful opportunity to go to Athens, Greece, and join with AMG International there. And it was, for Highland Park, our first STM trip, kind of a twofold purpose of introducing our people. 20 of us went to missions, but then also doing frontline gospel work there. One of the great memories was we went to Ammonia Square in downtown Athens, which just six months ago, there was rioting and burning of buildings because of the financial crisis there. We were able to do a concert, give testimonies, preach the gospel to the people there. Just thankful for the opportunity for, uh, we had young people, five students go, and a number of adults who it was their first time on a missions trip. So just planting seeds and trusting that God will use that in Athens. So, Well, give me that number again. Was it about 20 that you had? 20 team members, correct. That's a bunch of folks to go yeah. on a mission trip like that. I mean, yeah, it must be pretty exciting for your church to have that many people participate. Yeah, it was a, a huge blessing. And the, the Sunday we after we came back, I did kind of a, a recap service, just talking to the congregation about all that God did. And, and that was one of our focuses, is get our church excited about global missions. And not that it's necessarily for every single person, but every single person can be praying that way. And if God opens the door for them to go, for them to, to go and, and preach the gospel and, and be used uh, overseas wherever God has for our church. So, Mike, you talked to our kids today about sharing the gospel. Why is it so important for uh, junior high and high school students to, to think about that and to, to hear that type of a message? Yeah, no, with evangelism, it's something that we, we know from Matthew 28, the Great Commission, the mandate to go and make disciples, which is something for a junior high, high school student as well for adults. And, and yet it's one of the, and I know from experience, as we, most of us do, it's one of the things that most of us fear is talking to somebody, confronting somebody over sin, or telling somebody about Jesus when they reject Christ. And um, I know for many students, no doubt, they're struggling with that, and it's not a top priority. And yet Christ, throughout the New Testament, we have the Apostle Paul and his example. And even as we looked at this morning, for him to go and in prison, he's preaching the gospel still, and it's the priority no matter where God has placed him and no matter what the circumstances. And so for young people, it's, it's good that they have that in front of them as a goal. From your experience, how can God use teenagers, maybe a little bit differently than, than he can use adults or, or youth pastors or, or other, other pastors? Yeah, and that's a, that's a great question. I, I think, no doubt, and I'm a, I'm a parent of, of young ones, but no doubt parents have the, the times where they talk to their kids and their kids kind of, you know, just, oh yeah, it's my mom and dad talking to me. And I think it's the same as a pastor. You can talk to kids that know you and it goes in one ear and out the other, but for a peer of theirs to come to them and be serious about Christ, be serious about obedience, be serious about what the gospel message is, it can be so life-changing for somebody to see that, to see a 13, a 15, an 18-year-old serious about their relationship with Christ and excited to be used of God. Even the passage that we look at this morning with uh, Paul, how Paul's circumstances emboldened a number of Christians there. I think that God can do that and uh, will do that with our young people, even here at the school, to get 
a group of junior, senior, sophomores excited about Christ will be such an encouragement to those who are younger in the faith, and God really uses that. Let's join Mike with today's message. As you look ahead and you look at your classes, you look at your friends, you look at all the social, all the curriculum, everything going into this new school year, there's one thing that God has for you as a follower of Christ that needs to be your priority, that needs to be your goal, and that is to share the gospel, spread the gospel wherever God has you. When we come off of five-day clubs, when we come off of camps that some of you had served at, the gospel and the passion for evangelism cannot stay in that context. It must go with you so that you're obedient where God has you here. And we're going to look at an individual, a man you know well, as we've, as we've even looked at the book of Philippians, and that is the Apostle Paul. And if you're not there yet, you can turn to Philippians chapter 1. The Apostle Paul, even more than any other New Testament character, we see his heart for the lost so often. You could look through all the pages of the New Testament and you see such a passion from the Apostle Paul. And it's so instructive for us. A couple examples of this. First Corinthians chapter 9, Paul says this in verse 23. I do all things for the sake of the gospel so that I may become a fellow partaker of it. That's a bold statement. I do all things for the sake of the gospel. Paul's passion was to spread the gospel so that people would come to Christ and they'd be fellow partakers of the gospel. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 10, Paul says this. For this reason, I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen, so that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus and with it eternal glory. As you students approach another school year, another fall, no doubt there's a lot of things that can distract you from this main goal of spreading the gospel. And again, this is for those of you who know Jesus Christ, those of you who love the Savior. If you don't know Jesus Christ, you need the gospel. As we talk about this passion, you're lost. You're on your way to hell and you need to repent of your sins and turn to Christ. But if you know him, God has a mission for you. God has a priority for you as you approach the school year. Not only at school, but in your families, amongst your friends, and in whatever context God has you. Look at Philippians chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 12 through 18. Philippians chapter 1, 12 through 18. Let me read it for us. Paul writing to the Philippians says this. Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel, so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else, and that most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. Some, to be sure, are preaching Christ even from envy and strife, but some also from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition rather than from pure motives, thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. If you want a big idea or maybe a, a timeless truth for this passage, that the spread of the gospel must be the priority of every believer. This is your ultimate priority in your life as you approach what God has for you. The spread of the gospel. What do you guys know about Philippians? Yes, he's writing to the believers in Philippi. Paul here is encouraging them. These are dear believers. If you read verses 1 through 11, you know that Paul loves these people. They are dear to his heart. They are joining him in the gospel progress. Paul is writing this from a prison in Rome. Possibly not a prison where he's in chains and underneath the ground, but Paul is probably in a house under house arrest, chained to a Roman guard, most likely. They're guarding him 24-7. And Paul's not sure what's going to happen. 
He may die or he may be set free. Paul doesn't know at this point. But we're going to see in this that Paul gives for us as we look at this wonderful passage, a passage that I love. We're going to see three motivating priorities, motivating gospel priorities that, that Paul sets out. What Paul's doing in this, in this portion of the letter is he's updating this beloved church of his on what's going on. He's giving them, you could even say, a missionary report. And in that, we're going to see these three motivations in regards to the priority of the gospel. And the first one is this, and we're going to see it in verses 12 through 13. It is that the gospel is more important than your circumstances. The spread of the gospel is more important than your circumstances. And we see that in verses 12 through 13. Paul says, now I want you to know, brethren, Paul is updating them on what is happening. And the situation is grim, at least from the Philippians' perspective. They haven't heard from their dear pastor, and now he's writing to them. He's, he's, he's given them his greeting, his welcome. He's told them that he's praying for them in verses 9 through 11. And then he updates them on his situation. And think about when you've been away. Say you've been away from your parents for a week. You know, stuff you've gone. You've gone to Timberlake, some of you, or you've gone to Greece or whatever the situation. You've gone on vacation with some friends. And, and you come back and they ask, how was it? And usually we go right into, well, here's what I didn't like. Here's what was fun. This is how it affected me. This is what, uh, that even happened with me when coming back from Greece. It was like, how was Greece? Well, it was hot. It was sticky. I took 18 showers a day. You, you go into all these details about your situation and about what happened. But notice what Paul does. Now, I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. Paul isn't concerned with giving details of his situation. Paul isn't saying, you know what? I'm under house arrest. There's this annoying guard here, and it's really cold. The only thing he says in regards to his, his circumstances is my circumstances. He says, you've heard. I, I'm, I'm in prison. I'm under house arrest. But that's all he says. He says, I have better news for you, Philippians. Because for them, they thought they were going to hear bad news. They thought they were going to hear from Paul. Not only that he was in physical trouble, that he's in prison, that there's concern now, but they also were going to hear the ministry has stopped. The gospel is no longer progressing. And Paul says, no, it's the exact opposite. I bring you good news because the gospel is advancing even while in prison. He's surprising them with this news. Things are going well. The gospel is advancing despite my circumstances, Philippians. This is a cause for rejoicing. The word there for greater progress is a word you could translate as it's advancing, it's cutting forward. But Paul is saying it's advancing. The gospel is advancing in Rome, and he's going to explain how. And it's an amazing picture because, again, the Philippians were not expecting this. And they couldn't have. It, it, Paul's in prison. But God's working, and he's advancing his kingdom through the gospel, and he's using Paul. How's the gospel advancing? And Paul gets specific in verses 13 and 14. The first example is in verse 13. He says this. So that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else. The Praetorian Guard in Rome were the elite soldiers for the emperor. The history says there was about 9,000 of them, and they were the emperor's personal bodyguards. They had their barracks, and then every once in a while, whether it was them shifting or whatever, they would go. One of them would be guarding Paul, most likely. The situation, again, at least what historians say, is that Paul would have been, say he was seated here, there would be about a chain of about 18 inches on Paul attached to a Praetorian guard. Paul wasn't leaving. But this guard 
was now Paul's prisoner. As Paul sat there and possibly wrote letters, as Paul sat there and interacted with other Christians, as Paul read the scriptures, as Paul worshipped his God, this guard was a first-hand witness of that. And no doubt Paul wasn't sitting there saying, oh man, okay, I'm just going to write here. Paul knew right away. Maybe he wasn't out preaching the gospel where he wanted to go, but he had this guard with him. And so Paul preached the gospel. And that's what he's rejoicing in. He's saying these guards were firsthand witnesses of the gospel. And most likely they took what Paul said and they went back to the barracks and told their buddies about it. And then those guys come and they take the shift and they hear from Paul. We don't know what God did, but we have a little bit of a clue. Look over at chapter 4. Only in heaven will we know exactly how God used Paul. It's amazing to think that pagan Romans were being exposed to the gospel because in God's sovereign will, Paul was in prison. But look at verse 22 of chapter 4. Paul, finishing the letter to the Philippians, he says this, All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. I would believe that, that as a result of Paul, God using Paul to preach the gospel, some of these guards got saved. These guards who are in Caesar's household. God was using Paul to preach the gospel. You can turn back to chapter 1. And there's evidence that possibly at least some of these guys got saved. And that's what Paul is rejoicing in. He's saying, my circumstances, which, again, on the outside, look bad. Everything looks like it's stopped. Everything looks like the the mission isn't going to continue. And Paul says, no, no, Philippians, rejoice. The gospel is advancing forward. Despite obstacles, despite even opponents that we'll see here in a little while, the gospel is advancing. God is saving individuals for his glory and advancing his kingdom. And how is that happening? God is doing it. All glory to God, but he's using Paul. Because Paul was an individual who prioritized the gospel above his circumstances. What a lesson that is for us. You think about the times that God has used you to preach the gospel. Or you think about, even as you think ahead to this school year, and your mind probably goes to all the difficulties that you might face. This is a bad year for me because I have this class. This is a bad year for me because I have a class with this individual who I have a really hard time with. And we are very good at making excuses to say, I don't have time to preach the gospel Because I'm dealing with this. I'm dealing with this circumstance. I have this problem. One of the things that happened on some of you who were following the the Greece trip when we came back, we got to New York and we found out that our plane flight was canceled from New York to Omaha. So we stayed the night in New York. The next day, uh, half the group that was in Greece had to get on a flight that went from New York to Chicago to Minneapolis to Omaha. The first flight, we got on board and everything seemed fine until the captain and the stewardess and the other flight people they were sitting in front of the door and they would not close the door and we're just kind of watching and then the the pilot came over the intercom and said we're having a door problem there's some pins that were upside down but as we're sitting there we're watching as the pilot and them and they're just they're looking at the door and we're on there for an hour 15 waiting for these pins to be repaired whatever that meant dave taylor for an hour 15 was preaching the gospel to an islamic woman who was sitting next to him she had her beliefs. He was, he was talking with her about Christ and confronting even the fact that she wanted to accept her Islamic religion and then add Christ to it. And for that hour 15, when for most of us, the temptation was, this is frustrating. This could ruin the entire day. We may end up staying in Chicago or Minneapolis. Who knows where if we miss a flight. There was Dave Taylor preaching the gospel. That's similar to what Paul's doing here and a huge lesson for us. God doesn't work in providing gospel opportunities that usually work around your schedule. In fact, God often, because it shows his sovereign plan and it shows his grace, often wants to put us in an uncomfortable situation 
Because that's where the individual needs to hear the gospel. And some of you even know in your own personal life times that God has done that. And that's a huge lesson for us that we need to learn is that the gospel is the priority and it's more important than my circumstances. We become so self-focused on what's going on in our life and God wants to use us. And we need to be committed to be faithful, to be used of him as Paul was in his circumstances. Secondly, a second motivating gospel priority is this, and we find it in verse 14, is that the gospel is more important than your fears. The gospel is more important than your fears. Most of you probably, when we talk about evangelism, when we talk about spreading the gospel, preaching, proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ to a, a sinner, maybe one of the first thoughts that comes to your mind is there's, there's fear. That I want to obey God, but... I really need to go to my family member who's not saved. I really need to go to my best friend who doesn't know the Lord and confront them on their sin, call them to repentance. For the believers in Paul's day, that meant a lot more than maybe a shun or criticism. It meant possible persecution, maybe even unto death. And the believers were scared. There was fear. But Paul introduces a second reason why he's saying the gospel is progressing. Look at verse 14. And that most of the brethren, trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment, have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. An amazing thing was happening. Not only was the gospel advancing through the Praetorian Guard, something unexpected, but Paul is saying Philippians rejoice because the gospel is advancing amongst these pagan Roman soldiers, but it's also advancing as Christian believers, not pastors, but, but lay people, believers, are going out, and because of Paul, they're motivated with extraordinary courage to go out and preach the gospel in Rome where Paul was imprisoned. The believers were trusting in God because God was using Paul to motivate them. They were looking at Paul, again, a situation where you'd lose heart, and they're saying, look at God bless Paul. Look at the gospel advancing. Look at what Paul is doing. Maybe some of these believers interacted with Paul while he's under house arrest. And what was fear for them before, go into Rome and preach the gospel to these pagans. They said, you know what? If God is blessing Paul in prison, I'm going to go out and preach the gospel. I don't, I don't care what happens. I trust God. God blessed Paul. God uses Paul. He can use me too. And they went out and spoke the word of God without any fear. The word there, Paul says, far more courage. It's extraordinary boldness. Paul's passion for Christ, his, his love for the lost, his responsibility as a, as a servant of Christ, as an apostle to spread the gospel, as an ambassador of Christ, it was contagious. For these believers. They were empowered as God used him, and then they went out and did the same. As you look at your situation, and all of you have different ones, some of you are in Christian homes where your family is saved, and you go to your campus, and that's where you meet unbelievers. Some of you, not only at your campus, but maybe you go home tonight and there's unbelievers before you. Some of you have extended family, some of you have friends all over the place who do not know the Lord. And you're fearful of evangelizing. That is our sinful response so often. And the lesson that we need to to take from this passage tonight is that the gospel is so much more important than the fears we have. We need to repent of those fears. And we need to fear God who has told us to go and preach the gospel. In our schools, in our families, amongst our friends, in whatever venue he puts us. And also for some of you who are faithful, some of you, maybe you're looking at your life and you say, sure, I've failed before, but I'm, I'm trying to be faithful and God has opened doors. 
the encouragement with that is that God could be using you just like he used Paul to motivate others. This contagious reaction that happened with these believers can happen amongst us as well. I mean, maybe you've been in that situation before where you've heard somebody proclaim the gospel and you go, wow, it's not that hard. Or, wow, you know, I know Christ too and I can do that as well. And I would challenge you tonight to, even for some of you who've known the Lord for a couple of years and you're repenting in this area and you're growing in this area, God wants to use you to motivate others to be bold for Christ. As you go to your campus and preach the gospel, hopefully other believers, your peers, are looking at you and saying, if he can do it, I can do it. If she can do it, I can do it. And it's not because I praise that individual, it's because God is using that individual to make me more courageous with the gospel. God has done that throughout history. Paul was one example, and you can read countless books on how God used men and their faithfulness to motivate other believers to be faithful in these areas. And so we need to, as, as God places you as you start a new season, we need to remember that the gospel is more important than your fears. And then lastly, and it's in verses 15 through 18, the spread of the gospel evangelism is more important than your reputation. And this is in verses 15 through 18. It's more important than your reputation. And this is where I, I think of all three of these points where it hits most home for us. Because most likely all of you in this room, and I confess it as well, we're concerned with what people think of us. We go to our campuses and we say, I want, I want everyone to like me. I want my extended family. I want my close friends. I want them to like me. And there's a reality that if I confront them with the gospel, they may not. It may result in them laughing at me. It may result in slander. It may result in the fact that my relationship will be cut off and I'll never see them again. Paul understood this. And yet he presents such an example because Paul... His reputation wasn't important. The gospel was important. The, the progress of the gospel was the most important thing for him. Look at verse 15. Again, updating the Philippians, he says, Some to be sure are preaching Christ even from envy and strife, but some also from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition rather than from pure motives, thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. Paul presents two groups of people. But before we look at them particularly, notice one thing about this passage. If you look at verse 14 and verse 15, verse 17, observe the words that Paul is saying in this passage as regarding the spread of the gospel. Verse 14, the believers were being faithful to speak the word of God. Verse 15, some to be sure are preaching Christ. 17, the former proclaim Christ. Verse 18, Christ is proclaimed. The spread of the gospel is through speaking the word of God. This verse makes it so clear, as Paul is talking about the spread of the gospel, that, and we, we, we so often are tempted this way to say, I'm just going to live a holy life, and that's enough. I've done my civic duty to God to live a holy life, and then somehow God will magically save people through that. In God's sovereignty, that's not what he's chosen to use his children to do. God has made us ambassadors which is we have a message if we know the Savior. Unbelievers need to hear the gospel message. It's the gospel that gives them life. It's the message of Jesus Christ, the good news that he came, that he died for sins, that he rose again, that they must repent and they must trust him alone for salvation. If an unbeliever doesn't hear that, then you can put yourself with your holy life in with other religions that look moral and look fine. That won't save anybody. 
Romans chapter 10, verse 14 through 17. You can just listen to this. Paul again writes this, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. However, they did not all heed the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Paul says at the end of verse 14, how will they hear without a preacher? As believers, we need to be faithful to proclaim the gospel, to speak the word of God, to preach Christ. We live holy lives. That's true. I'm not putting that down at all. And your life needs to back up your message. But we often are so prone to say, I'm going to live a holy life and that's it. And that's not obedience in this area. We need to be faithful to proclaim the the message. Paul mentions two groups that were doing that. There's two groups of people in Rome, particularly of these, of these emboldened believers who are preaching the gospel. And the first group that he mentions is a group that was preaching Christ from envy and strife. It's interesting because not all the news that Paul is sharing with, with the Philippians was necessarily good news. You have these, this group of believers, and we have to observe a couple things about them. They're preaching Christ, so they have the right message. They weren't preaching heresy, but they were doing it with the wrong motives. They had something against Paul. This group of Christians had a problem with Paul. They wanted to rub salt in Paul's wounds. They wanted to say, look at Paul. He's in prison. He hasn't been faithful. Look at what God's doing with him. But look at me. As I preach the gospel, as I do God's work, am I in prison? No, but Paul is. They wanted to gain position. They were selfish. They were full of themselves. And they were putting down Paul. They wanted to cause him distress, inner pain. That was group one. Thankfully, there's a second group, Paul mentions in verse 16. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. That word there for appointed, referring to Paul, is is the word for a soldier stationed. That Paul was the soldier who God had given him a mission, and his mission was to preach the gospel, but now he's wounded. Now there's been change. And these, these believers, instead of causing him distress, they came alongside their wounded soldier and joined with him in continuing the mission in faithfulness to their God. These believers loved God. These believers loved Paul. They weren't motivated by themselves, by their selfish ambition. They were motivated out of love for their God and for their dear pastor, their dear missionary friend. And so they knew that Paul was appointed, so they joined him. Well, here's the amazing thing, Paul's response. So what? What would you do? As, as you're in this difficult circumstance that God has ordained for you to be in, And then you realize that on top of it, as you're in prison, there's a group of Christians, so-called Christians, who are trying to put you down. How would you respond? Here's what Paul says. So what? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in this, I rejoice. Paul says, so what? You could translate what then, so what? Paul says, it's not about my reputation. We might tend to say, I'm hurt. I'm scarred. I I can't move on from this. Somebody get those guys out of there. Somebody tell them to stop preaching. Paul says, I don't care. They have the right message. They're preaching Christ. The gospel's advancing. I don't care about my reputation. The most important thing for me is not how I look on the outside. It's that the message of Christ is advancing through Rome. It was the spread of the gospel. It was that, that sinners were hearing the good news of Jesus Christ and repenting of their sins. The gospel was more important to Paul than his reputation. 
As one author put it, Paul was expendable, the gospel was not. That's an amazing lesson for us. That's what it hits home. Because we are so concerned about what people think of us. Could you ever say that, that if it came down to the gospel being spread, or people making fun of you, putting you down, even slandering you, could you say, yes, and I will rejoice? I will rejoice because something greater is happening. The gospel is advancing. And God will do with them and their motives and what they're doing. He'll, he'll deal with that. And with my reputation, that's secondary. You've been listening to Mike Essen. He's the youth pastor at Highland Park Church in Columbus, Nebraska. Well, this wraps up the program today. You've been listening to Truth and Focus. For my co-host, Josh Cumston, this is Gordon Thiessen. Thanks for joining us as we encourage, engage, and equip Christians in today's culture war while bringing the truth in focus. Mm-hmm.